We're live, Chaz. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to us on the non-corporate network. Thank you for being here. Hopefully, you're having a great Monday morning. Uh, we know that you're listening if you're a hustler because you've been up for three hours by now, right? So uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, Dustin, uh, do you want to tell them a little bit about the show and uh, who we are, what we stand for before we get started? Yeah, so we recently had a new uh, name change. Uh, was formerly fill in the blank. Um, realized that there was quite a few other profiles, podcasts, all that um, that were out there that that had uh, fill in the blank. So we decided to uh, to rebrand to Entrepreneurs. So we're bringing the news to yeah. entrepreneurs from entrepreneurs. And so basically, what we do is we debate six of the the top headlines in business news. Spend three minutes on each one and. Uh, Obviously, I come out more on top um, than you, Chad, but I mean, it's, 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 it's all good. Yeah, we'll see about that. We will see about that. But yeah, no, we've watched enough ESPN that we just got tired of watching those uh, boring CNN, CNBC shows where they not only withhold all the really good stories and the juicy stories from you, but it's also just meant for baby boomers, really. Uh, so uh, here we are doing something fun. Um, and so, yeah, without further ado, uh, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get after it. If you are Dustin, let's, let's do it. Okay. There is a new company called Creston. They're partnering with Logitech and zoom to create meeting rooms in your house. Um, so they have this whole kind of set up with, uh, with some hardware and obviously Logitech cameras, uh, where, they will turn your living room or your home office into a professional production studio where you can use Zoom video conferencing. They have their own remote, and so uh, you can use it off your TV. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's nice, obviously. You don't have to look down at your computer the whole time. You're talking to somebody, uh, but, you know, definitely, uh, definitely interesting. Dustin, what do you think about uh, this new hardware and this new kind of industry that is being born yeah, no, I, I love it. I mean, we've talked recently about Facebook having the, the capability. I mean, they were really the only business uh, to offer this type of solution. So bring on the competition. Competition is good for the market. Competition is good for um, the consumers. And so I'm all for it. Where I kind of question is the price point and who they're really trying to go after. It says they're trying to go after pretty much anyone and everyone. But I think you mentioned that the cost of one of these devices is like 5500 bucks. I mean, I love my grandma a ton, but I don't know if I'm willing to invest $5,500 to, uh, to see her over the, uh, my TV. I mean, I'm happy to pick up a phone and, yeah. and make a phone call. It, well, it's, it's actually $6,100. Oh, sorry, Justin. my bad. $6,100. Yeah, $6,100 for one room. And then, hey, it's only $3,100 for each room after that. Uh, you know, but uh, I, I think there's a couple of things at play here. One is we've seen the rise of Alexa speakers, Google Homes. And so having this kind of hardware with a screen on it um, in your house is almost deepening that experience of voice. Uh, but I, I believe that uh, there, there's definitely an enterprise play here. If you're an executive, if you're somebody that uh, is doing TV production, or if you're somebody that is on one meeting after another throughout the course of the day, Quality starts to matter. Comfort starts to matter, especially when you start looking at having these virtual happy hours and things like that that different companies are trying to do to keep the culture alive. And so, um, you know, 
For that reason, I think that, you know, looking into a laptop versus sitting on the couch, looking at your TV, having a conversation, um, it can be definitely a, a better experience. But yeah, again, I don't know if I'm willing to pay 10 grand to plug my HDMI cord into my TV and do my Zoom meeting, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be just like everything else. I mean, starts at a high price point. I remember when, what, 512 uh, megabytes for a USB was couple hundred bucks and now you can get oh, yeah. a dozen. So, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. At least we're seeing new new uh, players hit the market. Yep. Prices are going to come down. I love where it's going. I mean, everyone enjoys uh, being able to do video chats a bit more. I think everyone yep. just hates doing it on a computer. And so having – I love walking and talking. So having something that can watch me while I walk around the living room, I think – Oh, uh, it, I think yeah, it's cool, awesome. yeah. They're selling pickaxes to gold miners, right? You know, uh, I think it's uh, one more industry that is being born. So definitely cool stuff. Yep. On to our next topic. So U.S. podcast listeners should increase and pass the 100 million listener mark. Um, beat expectations by about 15 million last year. So we're sitting right around 75, 76 million um, as we headed into 2020. So they're saying that we're going to pass that by quite a bit and uh, hit right around 110 million. Um, I mean, in terms of year over year, the last three years, consumption has just gone through the through the roof. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's I I hate getting on 104.7 or whatever local station there is, and it's they're forcing me to listen to what they want me to listen to, where on a podcast, I mean, it's just like every other growing trend, video on demand, audio on demand. Radio is not dead. How you consume it is just shifting. I mean, what are your thoughts on just the rise in podcast consumption? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, advertisers are uh, having a have popping champagne. Um, you know, it's just it's a different medium that was never truly accessible. It's kind of like TV advertising, um, but even less attribution, right? It's like I want to advertise on this channel. I don't know how many people are in the car. I don't know if the volume's turned up. I don't know if anybody's even listening or if it's just on. Um, and, you know, those are the kinds of things that would reduce the ad buys and reduce the cost of what a radio station could sell a TV, uh, like an advertising spot for. And so, you know, thinking about it in this type of way where now advertisers know exactly who's listening, exactly the other things that they're listening to. I mean, and, and we talk about the application to Google Homes, Alexa's any kind of voice enabled device where, um, you know, this becomes a medium that you can be consuming these podcasts off of those speakers. Uh, I think it, overall, there's so much, uh, there's so much opportunity for the advertising and the marketing of these. Uh, but you know, we've already seen the history repeats itself does. So we saw this on Facebook, we saw this on YouTube, there's a rise, and everybody goes and rushes to it. And then there becomes too much competition and people start to be discouraged and it starts to be more of a fad over the course of like five years. So we'll see if if podcasting is going to stick around in terms of the traction it's gaining uh, in 2019, 2020. You know, I, I mean, I think it will. It's uh, with video and written word. I mean, it's it's more of a you have to be consuming that and can't be doing anything else. Whereas a podcast, you can listen to what you want, when you want, and you can listen to it while doing dishes, working out and stuff like that. So in terms of brand penetration, I mean, it is absolutely amazing what you can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, you shouldn't be watching YouTube videos as you're driving, but you can obviously listen to a podcast while driving. And so just the, the amount of opportunity in one, creating 
your own podcast is huge, but also for advertisers and brands, figuring out how to automate getting your your brand on other people's podcasts, I think uh, is a huge play. I mean, the, the, the listenership is just so huge. I mean, it's just nothing but loyal, engaged fans of, uh, of those podcast channels. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about anybody that has a guest on a podcast, you control the conversation, you get to ask them whatever you want. I mean, it's it's better than call than texting somebody or calling somebody and asking for five minutes to pick their brain. Hey, you want to be on my podcast? Now all of a sudden people are like, oh yeah, of course. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's great for that too, even if you aren't getting people to listen. Absolutely. On to our next topic. So, one of the, the most popular rising in demand uh, menus on a takeout menu is leftovers. No, I mean, when I first read this, I thought it was going to be, oh, some, someone uh, ate half of their burger. We're going to take that half a burger and put it on uh, Uber Eats or something, way to save money for consumers. <laughs> but that's not the case. When they're talking about leftovers, they're talking about rather than ordering dinner for tonight, uh, let's order dinner for tonight and tomorrow and the next day and get three different dinners and so rather than having yeah one one meal it's uh offering multiple meals throughout the week um they're bringing down the cost because you're doing bulk pricing so their average order values are going up margins might be going down a little bit but overall it's bringing in more revenue it's uh less planning for the consumer i absolutely love it i hate cooking but what are your thoughts Yeah, I think that uh, it's definitely opening up uh, opportunities for revenue channels. I know uh, when uh, we ordered Magianos the other night, there was uh, uh, part of the menu is dedicated to just frozen meals that were actually like two or three dollars uh, more inexpensive. And so I think that people are realizing that okay, well you, you'd order three hot meals and you put two of them in the refrigerator. So I think businesses that are um, that are restaurants are almost becoming food providers in a way where it's like less about that experience. Now there's less uh, eyeballs on, um, you know, how clean the bathrooms are inside because you're just ordering. So you have to kind of shift your focus and build that brand in another way. And so giving people the opportunity to buy frozen um Portions. I mean, you you think about it. It's way more. Uh, it's way more. Um, I guess uh, fresh if you do it this way too, compared to uh, the food sitting in the coolers at Walmart for a month before you buy it. So I, I think it's an opportunity for them to make some money. But uh, I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of how this could affect people going to the grocery store or buying food in other ways? So first of all, I'm working for the wrong company. If you're uh, ordering Maggiano's, I need to come work where you're working. Uh, and two, I, I mean, it it is big. I think there's gonna it's gonna pick up some steam, but I mean, I think it's gonna be a steam or it's gonna pick up steam and from the demographic that has more disposable income. I don't think yeah, it's gonna sure. take huge market share from grocery stores, but I think what it's gonna do is open up the opportunity to create marketplaces rather than. All right, I want to order from Pizza Hut three times this week. It's like maybe I'm a storefront like Uber Eats where it's like you place one single order through me and then I can go and, and customize the order based off what you're looking for. I think there's a lot of opportunities in creating business around it. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to see what will come from it. But I think it'll it'll grow, but not as ex- expedited because it is more on the luxury side. I mean, do, do you, you remember those buttons steam? that the Amazon had where you just like click the tide thing and then like the <laughs> tide shows up? I want to get maybe a Chipotle burrito, like a <laughs> Big Mac. They just press it. That's, in, that's the future. That's the next wave. I, I love it. Sync I up the button. 
sync up the button to your app. All these companies, they all have apps now, Justin. I don't know if you saw that. The rise of the <laughs> apps. Everybody's got an app as a restaurant. So I think uh, it's trending towards that. Yep. No, I can't wait to see it evolve. So on to our next story, Washington, D.C. Um, so Lyft violated Washington, D.C. Uh, sick leave. Um, basically, there's a lawsuit going on. People are suing. Contractors are suing or, or drivers are suing Lyft because they're disobeying uh, the sick leave. I, you know, they're all 1099 contractors. You don't get sick leave. So I think uh, kind of barking up the wrong tree. Um, I mean, it's just if you don't like it, go work somewhere where you're going to be a W-2. But I mean, do you, do you think Lyft should kind of cave in and, and help cater to sick leave? Or what are your thoughts on yeah. the situation? I mean, yeah, this is a sticky situation for sure. It's a slippery slope. I mean, you think about it in, in this way, uh, you know, there's people that are trying to pay their rent right now. There's people trying to get groceries and trying to support their families. And so it's hard to uh, it, it's hard to uh, look at the situation and go, oh, that sucks, you're 1099. Um, but you're absolutely right. There is not really an alternative. If you're 1099, then your benefits and things of that nature you don't get access to, but because you don't have access to those things, you also set your own hours. You also mm -hmm. have the ability to customize what you do and run your own business on behalf of Lyft, essentially. And so, you know, that's what you're giving up by becoming a W-2. And so if they want to go and hire all these people as W-2s, that's going to require certain time commitments. And it's pretty much going to turn it into a taxi company again, which is the, the, the industry was formed because taxis were uh, cumbersome and not uh, efficient. So I think that from that end, it, it's hard to argue, uh, you know, how they are able to get access to that. The problem here is, though, Dustin, um, these people that are sick that are like, you know, I don't have any op uh, if I'm not going to get sick leave, I have to keep driving. They're sick. They're driving around. They're giving people diseases that are getting into their car. I think that's the risk that they're that Lyft and Uber are running, and that's not a good look for Uber and Lyft either. And that's going to cause just as much pandemonium as the, this uh, lawsuit is, you know. Yep. No, I, I hear you there, but I, what it boils down to is you know what you're signing up for. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't go in and say I want to work these hours, but I want W-2 benefits. It's uh, you know, go shop around for other jobs. I mean, I saw recently the Instacart. There's uh, employees are making four or five hundred dollars a day um, because of the overwhelming demand. Um, so I think you know, instead of dwelling on what you don't have, maybe do some thinking and seeking and see where you could be a better fit somewhere else. I think uh, just seeing an opportunity and saying, ah, well, it's not good. I'm sick. I need to get paid. I mean, I hear you that the economy still needs to, you know. People are going through tough times, but so are businesses. Businesses are employing well, a ton of people. And so, yeah. Well, Lyft has done a pretty good job over the course of their lifetime of taking care of their employees, taking care of their drivers. Compared to Uber, they've incentivized their drivers a lot better. They allow for tips and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's hard to look at Lyft as a bad guy here, um, despite the, the hardship that's happening in America. It's just, I don't really see a lot of wiggle room there. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, so we are on to uh, Microsoft phishing. This is something that's interesting. So we don't talk a whole lot of, about cybersecurity, um, but uh, this story popped up. Microsoft has been warning people of uh, public Excel documents, uh, among other things, uh, being 
liable for phishing and malware and ransomware. And I, I think what's happening here is that because so many people are working from home, they're not using the network that the business has in the office, obviously. They're using their personal home networks. And we kind of take for granted as consumers uh, the security of our internet because it's like, oh, well, the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody bums my internet that is over at the neighbor's house. That's fine. Um, the problem here is that enterprise organizations pour millions and millions of dollars into their systems to keep them from being hacked because of this sensitive information that's being exchanged. And now that sensitive information is being routed into other people's homes. And so I think that there is a lot of risk here uh, in terms of this cybersecurity thing. But uh, what do you think? Do you think that it should be consumers um, kind of doing the protection of their data and devices on their own? Or do you think that an enterprise organization has the obligation to um, go and buy all their uh, all their employees routers and um, and do a better job with the security of their systems at home? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's up to the company. It's, uh, you know, who's going to be in the courtroom if uh, that Excel doc that has everyone's credit card information, whatever it may be, gets hacked. I mean, the, the company is. It's in their best interest to, to mitigate liability there. Um, and so it's up to them. I mean, how many more people are going to be working from home? I mean, I'm assuming that rent, um, what you're paying on rent and stuff like that is probably going to come down quite significantly if work from home continues to rise. So, I mean, right. take some of the cost savings there and invest into your employees. Again, I think this might create a whole other industry where, um, you know, most people cater to individual enterprise level companies, but maybe you create a marketplace for small to medium sized businesses where mm. instead of, of, uh, giving security to one company, it's like, look, we have a network of 40,000 employees. And from that, we're kind of helping everyone, but everyone is paying per employee type of thing. So, yeah. um, I, I, again, I think it's just, it's going to bring in a lot more innovation, a lot more creativity, um, to the marketplace. But at the end of the day, it is up to the business to uh, provide that security. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's their data that's going to get hacked. They're the ones that are going to be having to pay the lawsuit if uh, something happens. So, Oh yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> take care of the problem before it happens type of thing. I mean, I look at it as something where I, I could see this being, because this is important for consumers too. I mean, our data as consumers is just as valuable uh, in some regard as the business's data. Uh, usually the business's data is our data that they're holding on to. So, you know, thinking about it in that light, I look at it as something where it's almost like car insurance. You know, if, if, it, if there's a fee that I can pay that's gonna protect all of my devices and all of my personal data, that uh, that's one step closer for us as consumers to feel a little bit more protected as well. So I uh, expect to see that industry rising for sure over the over the interim. All right, getting into our last story here, uh, Facebook. They've allowed they they've just announced uh, Facebook Shops. Uh, this is something that we've kind of been talking about. They've kind of been teasing, um, but officially, uh, you now can pretty much have a website embedded into your Facebook profile. Uh, used for commerce. Um, a study came out from uh, Arizona Small Business Association that 40,000 business owners, a third of them in April, were saying they weren't even convinced they were going to reopen. And so I think that this is a way for you to not have to incur any kind of costs to get a brick and mortar web or brick and mortar business up on Facebook where there's three billion consumers there. Uh, so I see there being some positives to 
this being kind of a fallback for uh, for small businesses, what are your thoughts on Facebook shops and the impact that it can make? I mean, it all sounds good. It's uh, great headlines to read, but I mean, it's, you know, being in Facebook ads manager every single day, it's like they make changes so often and don't give any education on where these changes are happening, what's going on. So although sure they're, they're helping a lot of small business on that end, how many small business owners are actually going to be able to one, find where they can create this website two, or even know actually about it, build it three, design it to where it's actually going to convert. Um, I mean, I, it, it's good, but I could see where it could be a huge time suck on businesses. Um, especially because, you know, Facebook doesn't have that education piece, but I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, it, I'm, I'm going to bring the mic in here. Mark Zuckerberg, if you're out there, I'm talking to you right now, okay? <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. I, I remember watching Steve Jobs give his keynotes about these new present or these new uh, iPhones, iPad. It, it was always groundbreaking. It was always amazing. Facebook is one of the big five companies. They've released all these features. They release all of these new apps. They release all of these updates. Never do you hear anything from Mark Zuckerberg about the new things. They're like, it's like they're going behind our backs and testing these things in random countries. And then they just natively embed it without saying anything. And it's like, one, people aren't going to use the product to its full potential, like you mentioned. But I think the bigger thing here is that just tell us what you're doing and how we can use it. Yeah. It would make things so much more efficient. It would make things so much more um, easy for small businesses if you provided resources to them. So announce what you're doing and don't go behind our backs trying to pull a fast one on us. Like just get the, get the stuff out there and make a – I want to hear him talk about what the impact is going to be and why they're doing the things that they're doing. And I – I mean, I, I don't think that I'm speaking just for myself here, but uh, I'm off my soapbox. You can, you can. Yeah, no, I agree. Down. It's just like anything else, any other company, you roll it out, there's going to be a marketing piece to it. There's going to be an education piece on how people can use it. Um, I mean, just working with them on the ad side, like I said, is, is a bit frustrating. There's no support. There's, they're doing so much innovation and so much good, yet there's no way to figure out how to actually use everything. I mean, yeah, they, they we would can build talk about so much more trust very quickly if they just deployed some type of customer service um, group where they just helped on all these different aspects of their business. I think it would be huge. Mark, you better be listening. Customer support. Are you serious? I can't even, dude, we could talk for an hour about this. Like every time I need to do something in Facebook, who am I supposed to hit up? No, I'm supposed to comb through hours of reading on these help docs and links. And it's the most, it, it, it's the worst experience you could possibly have online. And it's just like, ah, that, that costs too much money. We're not going to do it. <laughs> like you could be making more money off of this, but you know, Agreed. I digress. Well, um, no, I was excited about these stories today. I mean, that was, uh, that was fun. These are all big trends happening. So, um, we will be back on Wednesday. Uh, but, Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for watching the non-corporate network. And thank you for uh, thank you for supporting Avantage as well. Avantage.com, a great place uh, for filling your excess capacity. If you're a small business owner and you need some kind of service, uh, there are so many amazing people out here in Arizona that are doing all sorts of crazy stuff from social media advertising to content creation to bookkeeping to legal advice. If there's something that you need help with, 
this is a the, we, we're known in Phoenix as the entrepreneurial giving community. You know, everybody is always going to be supporting each other. And so uh, I think that we're the most selfless uh, community of entrepreneurs out here. So use Avantage. It'll help you. Uh, Dustin, do you have anything you want to add? Fill that excess capacity. Use Avantage. Take advantage. Boom. And Mark Zuckerberg, thanks for tuning in today and <laughs> hearing out uh, my opinions on your product. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, this has been the Non-Corporate Network. You are tuned into Entrepreneurs. And we'll be back on Wednesday and then again on Friday and then the following Monday. And then we'll just keep going and keep getting better because that's what entrepreneurs do. That's what we're doing. So thank you guys for your support. If you have questions, reach out to us. If you have an idea on a story to talk about, reach out to us. You can find us at, uh, what is it, ncnbroadcast.com. You can find us uh, on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, uh, entrepreneurs.ncn. Check us out. We really appreciate the support, you guys. Um, Again, my name's Chaz Vandemotter. Dustin Trout. Signing off. See you Wednesday.